On today's show, our special guest is Jeff Green, owner of B&E Meats and Seafoods, and we have lots of news, including the partnership of Chad McKay and Jason Wilson on a new luxury wine country resort and restaurant, and also the first annual Seattle Urban Wineries Pour event. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Uh, this is Casper Dunier. I'm the owner of Casper Special Events and Catering, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the August Seattle Dining Show, number 1708. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, Publisher of Seattle Dining. Woof. Woof? I ain't getting ready for husky season. Oh. I want to hear you make a Seahawk sound. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I asked, but okay. (laughs) Hey, it's good to be back, and of course we always start out with our monthly discussion of something. And for about the third month in a row, I'm on a serious track. I've had these questions, and I, and I saw something in the news recently, and it made me start thinking about uh, fun things like E. coli. And I was feeling sort of bad for Chipotle, because two years ago, they had that big E. coli breakout. Uh, I think someone – did somebody die on that one? But there were so many people. There were a lot there. of sick people, for sure. You know, and, and it's one of those things where a, a business like Chipotle gets food, and it's something that's on the food – um, they took a lot of steps to fix it, um, and I looked at something the other day, and, and it was saying that financially they seem to be doing better, but food costs have gone up and marketing costs have gone up, no wonder. But now in Virginia, they've got a location where they've had a norovirus issue, and this can come from something like a staffer who didn't wash after using the restroom or something. So they have done so Whereas the E. coli is a bacteria that comes off of the, off the food. food, like yeah. – uh, uh, e. coli grows on cantaloupe. A lot of people yeah. don't know this, but if you're eating cantaloupe, you need to be washing your knife, uh, you know, washing up the cantaloupe Before first. Before you cut through. And then you can cut through. Yeah. But, um, you know, I started to think, man, are they having really bad luck or are they not doing something right? So then I went out and looked at, uh, like, what were the E. coli breakouts in 2017 and 2016? So this year, it seems to be right now soy nut butter. Um 2016 had a flour problem, and both soy nut butter and flour are issues because they have a long shelf life. So people could still be getting sick. We don't know how long that will go on. And then in 2016, there was a beef and a venison problem in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Now, let's make mention here on the flour, you know, (laughs) we should buy these big old bags of flour. They sit around in our house for how long? Yeah. Uh, But what I do – For two reasons, um, is I store all my flour in the freezer so that it doesn't get uh, A, Mm -hmm. any kind of E. coli going on in it, but also so that uh, bugs don't emerge out of it. Yeah. We don't have so much of a problem in the Northwest. I know. I used to live in San Jose, and when I moved back up, I moved, of course, all my kitchen stuff up, and I had bugs galore. Um, I don't know if it was from the move or it was for the warm weather in San Jose, but um, I had to throw everything out. 
In any case, the flour was an issue in Missouri, but it was shipped to 24 states. And one of the things they said was, don't eat raw dough or batter. That's going to kill people that they can't eat their cookie dough. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then in 2016, there was also a problem with alfalfa sprouts, which are apparently a known source of foodborne illness. So you have to handle those carefully. So, uh, and then, of course, back in 92, there was a the whole jack-in-the-box thing where people did die. Did die, yeah, definitely. Um, and then there was a catering, glass onion catering salad and wraps, which are made by Green Onion Catering, but they were sold by Trader Joe's, Walgreens, and Whole Foods. So that was all over the place in 2013. Jimmy John's had a breakout in 2013 in Colorado. 2013 was a bad year. The Porch Restaurant in Pittsburgh, McBee Dairy Farm Raw Milk in Tennessee, also in 2013. So not an exactive search, but restaurant-wise, it seems to be centered more on fast food chains. And I'm thinking that's because there's such volume and food is shipped to so many locations. But yet, other than Jack in the Box and Chipotle, have you heard a lot about restaurants having E. coli problems? Sure, the Matador. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the Matador, Matador had, had an E. coli breakout. That's right. Uh, but you know, that doesn't make the national news because that's just a little chain here in yeah. Seattle or Northwest because yeah. we got one down in Portland. So there's too. probably a lot of them all over the country. So, uh, so yeah, you can have an E. coli breakout at a neighborhood restaurant and you're not going to hear, hear about it day after day on the news. Yeah. Um, you can. Um, uh, you'll if you want to subscribe to like the King County Health uh, emails, you'll know any time a restaurant gets shut down for anything. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's E. coli or not having sanitized water. Yeah. But um, uh, it you know it's, it comes in different sizes, really. I mean, obviously Chipotle, we're going to hear about that because there's so many of them, and there were so many affected. Yeah. And this is just one – this norovirus was one location in Virginia. This isn't spreading Yeah, like but that will get the attention because it's Chipotle. Yep. And they had yep. the big breakout before. So. Yeah. I think when you, when you think about the possibilities, we're probably as, – as Penny, our friend who was in catering, used to say, we're all lucky to be alive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not nearly as bad as you think it would be when you hear about stuff like this, but – it does get you wondering about uh, wh- how are we handling it and who's doing it right, and it's well, a tough. You know, I just uh, went online and took the King County food server mm-hmm. test, and uh, I got my card. Cost me a big ten bucks, but you learn a lot when you do the class. It takes about two hours to complete it. You do it all online. Uh, it's in Flash, so go dig out your old laptop that has Flash on it. Um, but you learn quite a lot, and they actually go through the various types of of bacteria and of virus-type things that are, are possible. Uh, Oregon has that as well, and they actually have a nice chart in their printout, which is free to get. So if you go to the Oregon State Health Department, you can print out their guide for food servers, and they have a whole chart on everything and how it gets contracted mm. and, uh, and uh, what, you know, what kind of foods it comes from. Uh, and, you know, and things like just because the bacteria it got killed during the cooking doesn't mean that the enzymes that uh, came from it, they don't die in the oh. cooking. So you could still get something even if you think you've cooked something up. Mm. Um, things like rice and beans, super, super 
uh, growth areas for bacteria when you've got them down between uh, you know what is it one thirty five and forty one yeah. uh, degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I've had uh, um, food poisoning. food poisoning from white beans before. We knew exactly yeah. where it came from, yeah. and uh, it's just because somebody cooled those beans and then didn't put them in the fridge. And you know that's another thing our catering friend Penny told us after after that particular instance is that. People feel pretty safe with beans. You know, they're usually dried. Yeah. You're, you're throwing them in water. You're cooking them. What could go wrong? And rice. And, and they are on, very often the source of the problem. Yeah, because it's the moisture. The moisture. And the temperature. Becomes a, a bacteria. Yeah, yeah, well, right. Yeah. But I'm just saying when you have – so like if you go to the Mexican restaurant, you get rice and beans, mm-hmm. and now you're going to take your food to go. Yeah. And you got a few errands to run on the way home, and it's pretty hot outside. Yeah. If you throw that leftover in the refrigerator two hours later, you're you're asking for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, famous words. We should all. We're lucky to be alive. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, uh, it, 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 it's worth everybody's time to go online and do the do the courses and uh, and learn about food. If you're a foodie. Uh, the more you know, the better you'll be. You know, I, yeah. I know I'll never order white beans in a restaurant again. Yeah, that's just the way it is. And if I'm going to make them here, uh, it'll be under serious supervision. Yeah. So, which is you know how we always like to put Tom. We like Tom to be under serious supervision on every front because mm-hmm. he's it's just safer for I everyone do everything. that way. I fix your computer. I'll cook in your kitchen. But I always, do it all. always under serious supervision. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we've you know talked about scary things, let's talk about where we've been eating and where we have not gotten sick. <laughs> you know. um, yesterday, I thought, hey, I need a new place to talk about on the podcast, and we often talk about places we've gone for dinner, nice places and stuff, and I thought, hey, I'll do something casual. So I popped over to Sunny Teriyaki, which is at 2035 Northwest Market Street in Ballard, and um, I, I just had their regular teriyaki, which was pretty good, and I have to say that, again, it's... Your your taste can change over the years. Um, teriyaki sauce is a very sweet sauce, and I've forgotten how how sweet it is. Um, I enjoyed it, but it was sweeter than I recalled because I don't eat that much sugar anymore. But having said that, you would enjoy it, and they've got quite a large menu. They've got a whole bunch of chicken, spicy chicken, chicken with vegetables, beef teriyaki, pork, spicy beef, spicy pork, prawn, tofu, They've got some gyozas, short ribs, salmon teriyaki. They've got combination platters. They've got a whole uh, menu of Chinese dishes, Mongolian beef, orange chicken, um, a lot so of So more like than that. just teriyaki. Yeah, noodles, um, side orders and stuff. So um, they seem to do it's, – it's a small place as most teriyaki places are. And as when I was there, a lot of takeout. So I think especially being in Ballard, there's a lot of – uh, small businesses and stuff, and people just go in and and of course, it was a beautiful day yesterday, so I'm sure people were taking it out and sitting it in the park and were the Uber delivery drivers lined up outside? yeah, Uber and Amazon and uh, I don't know city search I don't know Bite squad yeah man. they were all there um, the other night, and I know we talked about this last year be- because we did it then too, but we went down, Tom and I went down and checked out the Capitol Grill's generous pour, and this is a program they do every year. They pick out seven wines that are 90-plus on the um, wine award scales, and uh, you can have 
all seven of them. Last year we did something different. This two year, ounces each. Yeah, this seven year different we, wines. This year we just the guy just brought out three glasses and poured the whites so we mm-hmm. could compare them, and then he brought the four glasses out and did the reds. Last year I think we tried a couple, and then we had specifically had it paired with what we ordered for dinner. This time it was just like we're just going to try them all like this, and I kind of enjoyed that actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both ways are great. And it was a pretty good deal. I mean, what is it? $28 for the pour. Yeah. So that's seven different wines that you get to taste at two ounces each. So you're looking mm-hmm. at 14 uh, ounces of, of wine. Yeah. And, you know, if you get two glasses of wine at a fine restaurant nowadays, it will be about 28 bucks. And so. these are wines that if you were going to get a glass of wine, it would probably be 15 to $18. Yeah, you know? these are world-class wines. These are, you know, really high-end things. So it is a deal, and um, – and, of course, it's always fun to eat there, and it's fun to go into the steakhouse atmosphere, the dark wood and everything. Mm-hmm. And they, the service there is very, very good. But don't you miss the cigar smoke? Oh, so in places much like not. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was fun. We did that. And then um, last night we went to 190 Sunset, which is uh, – what did Tom tell us last year? Two years or a year? A year they've been open. Uh, no, they opened just – yeah, a year ago. A year ago. Um, in Edmonds, um, down by the ferry. And uh, we've done – the last time we went, we did um, happy hour and sat at the bar and just had some snacky-type foods, which were – you know they've got quite a variety. Mm-hmm. And then last night we went and sat um, in more of the dining room and, and had salads because it was a hot day, and that was really nice. Um, they roll up or push back these huge doors that go out onto their patio. So it's like the whole big room is almost outdoors, except inside you're not, you know, directly in the sun. And that was very fun, too. We, we, that was kind of fun to sit there and chit-chat and Listen watch to the people. trains. Yeah, the trains are pretty loud, I must say. <laughs> Although I grew up around trains, so I'm not going to complain. So, um, so he's kind of a thing. chatty guy, that Tom. We like, and, and we like the fact that he comes around and talks, you know, to to the guest. So we're going to see about maybe getting him on the show. Yeah, he'd have things to tell us. Because he, he knows his way around the restaurant business for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a newbie, opened a new place just because he felt like it. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him and see what's going on. Now, what do you have to report food-wise? Well, I went to Wendy's and I went to Jack in the Box. And no, um, Fine dining. You're making fun <laughs> of my sunny teriyaki, I can tell. <laughs> we, uh, you and I recently went to – had to go to Salt Lake City for a nine-day trip. And so um, we did some, uh, some noshing along the way. And uh, you recommended when we got to Pendleton that we go to the Hamley – Steakhouse, yeah. which I'd never been to before. My mom and I had been there one time. And uh, just for the record, it was probably the best prime rib I've ever had. You and know, you, you said it. they told you it was choice cuts. He, they did say it's right. It's the top level of choice, but it is choice mm-hmm. meat. And it was so tender and so delicious. They say that it's all about their slow roasting and their nice hand on the seasonings that's what she told us yeah so um that's the one to match when you're making the holiday rib roast this year and i gotta tell you all you listeners know tom is a persnickety fellow when it comes to food yep and And when it comes to prime rib and prime rib especially because he loves it so much and he he gets disappointed but i tell you what i wasn't ever thinking about going back to pendleton again but now now i'd like to go there twice a year (laughs) 
<laughs> until things change. You know, if, they, if there's a new owner and a new chef and the whole thing goes downhill, then I don't need to go back. But uh, the only reason for me to go to Pendleton apparently is the prime yeah. rib. We'll have to start planning trips that, uh, you know, need us to stay there. So then we, uh, we went from Pendleton down to Salt Lake City. That's an interesting place. Uh, and Salt Lake City is blessed with, um, well, several Mexican restaurants, but one is called the Red Iguana, and the other one's called the Blue Iguana. And uh, they're not owned by the same people, they're kind of rivals. And so, we, you know, being a Mexican food lover that I am, I had to go try them both, not on the same day. <laughs> Thank you. And um, eh, I don't know. They were both good on their own merits, but um, I, you know, I don't need to go to Salt Lake twice a year for them. No, no. <coughs> the really Red good I- service. Some some okay sauces at the Red Iguana, uh, the Blue Iguana. Kind of a nice atmosphere. Okay drinks. We had a good server too. She was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good server. So, I, in fact, I'd say that's the one thing that shined between the two locations. Uh, above the quality, you know, the food quality was okay. Yeah. But the service at both, uh, you could tell these people were well-trained. Yeah, they did a good job. The woman at the um, Blue Iguana, you ordered something that you were just going to get a la carte. And then she came back and she said, listen, I put it in as a dinner because you get the same amount of the the main dish, but it's less expensive. Yeah. So if you don't want the rice and beans, that's okay. I don't yeah, have to don't bring them, but uh, you know, but it's a, a, the less expensive way to go. And I thought that's really nice, you know. And then she asked me if I want to take the rice and beans to go, and I said no. <laughs> we'll go put them in our tent. I'm sure they're going to be safe, temperature wise, since it's going to get down to 75 tonight. Mm. God. So this was another interesting one. Uh, normally I wouldn't talk about this, but it was actually quite good. We went to a Benihana in Salt yeah. Lake City, and we didn't go upstairs into the circus uh, area. <laughs> the circus area. We went to the lounge and uh, had some, some very good uh, fish. Uh, what did I have? I had a poke? We both had a poke bowl. I got the combination tuna salmon, and you just got the tuna. Yeah. And we had a salmon nigiri just as a little starter. Yeah. And and yeah. you, you you know, it's kind of uh, really ca- catch as catch can when you go to somewhere in the middle of the United States because you know any any seafood that's coming in. Uh, it's being shipped. And, uh, yeah, it's been out there for a few days, so you, <clears throat> you're kind of taking a chance, but it was good. It was good. I will so, say that that was the worst service I've had in probably. She was the nicest person, but she did she forgot. Are stuff you talking and, about the time I had to go get her the first time to bring us her drinks, or are you talking about the time I had to go get her to get our credit card? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the fact that we ordered something else, tempura mm, shrimp, mm-hmm. and it didn't come, and she said, "Oh, oh my gosh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Do you still want it? Yes, that's great. We would still like it. Okay. Then it never came, and then I said, "We still don't have it." She goes, "Oh, let me check." And she actually came back honestly and said, uh, somebody else ordered one too, and I forgot to pick it up, so it went to another table. So I'm getting it for it. It was just like she made mistake after mistake, and she didn't appear to be new or nervous. I don't know what the deal was. And then I think it was when we got the poke, there was no avocado in it, so we had to order a side of avocado. That's right. And that wouldn't have been her fault, but still. Well, yeah, but it kind of was because 
as a server, you're supposed to look at the food. If it doesn't yeah. mat- match the picture in the menu, you don't deliver it to the customer. And it wasn't just a picture. The description said, you know, soy right. and avocado, avocado and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so somebody in the kitchen <laughs> fouled up, but I don't know. It was kind of an odd evening. So it's good that the food was enjoyable because otherwise that would have been a bust. Yeah. So I would uh, – I guess in, in, in conclusion here, if you're going to go out of town and there's a Benihana – uh, try the lounge. Yeah. You don't have to go down and play the circus game with all the, the, the guy yeah. throwing a shrimp up in his hat yeah. and all that stuff. But um, I, 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 I would recommend it to people. Yeah, And, you know, years ago, I mean a long time ago, I don't even know if that's the same now or not, but the Benihana in Seattle at lunch had an all-you-can-eat sushi place. And at the time, I could really pound down the sushi. So it was a good deal for me, and I and I really enjoyed it. So they've always had kind of a different thing going on in the lounge. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to look at the latest tidbits from our news bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by the Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. Hello, this is Duke Mosgrave from Duke's Chowder House, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Chad, and I live in Shoreline, but I love to go down to Seattle and dine at the Harvest Vine. We are back on the Little Nickel podcast, and uh, I guess the first thing we want to make a note of is that Mary in Woodenville has a white 1986 Lincoln Continental, and she's only looking for $500 on that. So you can uh, give her a call at her – oh, wait a second. This is the Seattle Dining Show, isn't it? What? Huh. Okay. Uh, okay, we're, we're back on the Seattle Dining Show. I get so confused, you know, I'm just cutting a little nickel show. I got the Soundwriter <laughs> Show. I got the Seattle Dining Show. I don't know where I am half oh, the time. Again, you need to be under serious supervision. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we are on the Seattle Dining Show. We got some news bites, lots of stuff going on. Connie, you got some information about something called the French Cider. Yes. Uh, Joan Harkins is a woman who lived in France for a while um, and on trips back fell in love with French cider, apple and pear, and the Calvados. Um, She just fell in love, and then she could never find it anywhere in the U.S. So finally she decided she was going to do it herself. She's created an import company called Beauchamp Imports, but you can order – Cider on her FrenchCider.com website, and she works directly with French producers. And unlike on our uh, Twitter feed online, it's not wrench producers, it's French producers, uh, to curate her line of ciders. So um, she works directly with them, pulls out what she thinks is the best, 
And uh, there's she's got them in a number of restaurants now, and that number is growing. So you'll be able to try it when you're out, or you can order it online. So and, so is this work the way French wine works in America? We get sort of get the the lesser quality. Is she getting good cider? Or oh is she yeah, getting she's, lesser and quality? she's dealing with small producers. She's doing you know family. People and and they're all a little bit different because they've got family recipes. And then is there like a Beaujolais Nouveau cider that I comes out so. in November, December? I do not believe so. Mm, okay, but um, yeah, she's and and also I don't think from her experience she has not been able to find true French cider around here, so or in the U.S. So I'd never heard of it. Yeah, and it's very different. She has I haven't been able to try it yet, but she says it's so different from the ciders produced here. It's much lighter. Well, it must all be fantastic, and that's why they've been keeping it to themselves in France. That's the thing, and Joan is breaking them. She mm. is breaking them on this. And she's going to be part of Cooking with Class, so that's very fun, too. Now, Baco Cafe, uh, Park has been part of Cooking with Class for several years. He's not this year because he's going to be taking a little break. Are you talking about chef Park? Yes, Chef Park of Baco and Chan. Chan. But uh, Baco has now got evening hours, Thursday through Sunday. So his focus is going to be on small plates, charcuterie, and desserts. So it's a great place to go before your evening or to wrap your evening up. And he will be making all the desserts in-house. So that's going to be fun. Full bar, and they're at 86 Pine Street. Well, that's good. Finally, something that's open on a Sunday that isn't brunch only. Yeah, exactly. And it's evening, so that's why it's not brunch. <laughs> and then uh, Wine World is uh, has got some movement going on, huh? Yeah, well, they made the comeback from the dead, number one. And they've been back a short amount of time, and now they're moving. So they are doing big-time sales right now. They're still at 400 Northeast 45th, um, and they're not talking specifics right now, but they have told me they're moving to Fremont. And um, so good sales. If you're looking for wine, beer, spirits, you're, you, you can get some good prices right now. Yeah. And then uh, Perkeno. Uh, no, yeah, not too far from uh, Fremont. We got Perkeno. Mm-hmm. This is their 25th anniversary. So they're celebrating from the 1st through the 3rd of August. So get out there quick. You're hearing this on the 1st. Um, they're going to do live music each evening. They've got two wine tasting dinners coming up. One's an Italian wine dinner on the first, and then a northern Italian dinner on the second. So, what's the difference between northern and southern Italian cooking? You know, I'm not absolutely sure, but I think it's uh, partly it's heavier sauces. Okay, I'm honestly not sure, and I'm pro- people who know Italian food are laughing at me right now. They're like, S-S. "Well, yeah, everybody who who works at Il Fornaio that listens to this show is like, ah, yeah. we do these different dinners all the time. <laughs> You're supposed to be learning from us. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but we're not going to." So. <laughs> and then we uh, mentioned uh, as as an en- entry into the show today, but there's a new place called Eritage, and it's going to be a ten luxury suite. Wine Country Resort in Walla Walla. Va Piano Winery owner Justin Wiley uh, purchased the the acreage some time ago because he just felt it was in a space that was going to be big sometime. So um, Fire and Vine Hospitality is going to be doing the restaurant and the hospitality part of all this, and that is a partnership of Chad McKay from McKay Restaurants and Jason Wilson. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, they you know, they... They partnered up for the all those new places in Bellevue. Well, Chad is no young chicken, right? He's no. How, that's how old his, is Chad McKay? Fifty. 
Oh, okay. It was his dad that just retired. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking maybe, you know, if it was his dad, it was just making Jason do all the work. <laughs> well, Chad may be doing, making Jason do all the work. We don't know how that partnership goes. But um, so I think that's going to be very interesting. And that is supposedly coming this fall. I hope they have us on their radar and they invite us out. You know, that would be lovely. They've I'd got, go. They've got 10 suites. They could give us one. Yeah. Come on. I'd do it on a Tuesday in November. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Jason, Chad. You guys are listening. We know you both. <laughs> oh, uh, what is what is Conan Steiner? The little grocery stores. Okay. Um, they're they're just small neighborhood grocery stores with kind of upper end interesting. Is that the one that's items. owned by Tom Douglas? No. Oh, not okay. at all. Has but this is to down do. in uh, in the Lake Union area. This is at um, First Avenue, ten twelve First Avenue. Oh yeah, that's. Um, not they've Lake got Union. one up. Uh, across the street from uh, what is it now? Contadina that used to be Kingfish that used to be uh, Agnes loves Ernest, Ernest loves Agnes. Uh-huh. They're right across the street from okay. that. That was one of their. So they've got three now, something like that. So hmm. new one, and then Verju on Bainbridge Island, which is another uh, business by Brendan McGill and his wife. They closed out on the thirty first, and they're looking for a commissary to make all the juices and things that were very popular there so they can put it out in places and at restaurants, at their restaurants and others. And they're also looking for a new f- storefront for Verjou, but it was just really too small. So they're not gone. Hmm. Now well, this next I don't one. Know how, how popular, uh, uh, you said juices. They're you doing know, like some juices. Sauces no, no, or? no, like drinking juices. Oh, drinking juices. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that, that, that might be popular yeah. on Bainbridge because everybody needs to drink juice. Yeah. And they would be doing it right, you know. <laughs> I don't know why Bainbridge particularly needs juice. We don't even want to get into that, probably. This next one, honey, I think you're going to be very excited about. You want to read this? So uh, what I'm seeing here is that Costco is testing out a four ninety nine cheeseburger, and Seattle gets to be the test location or area. One of the test locations. Well, and it's only 1,140 calories. Can you believe it? So if you have that for lunch, you don't even need to have dinner. Or, or breakfast or lunch the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how that would be in a bullet. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, Warm. So um, – this is like when I go to Costco and I walk up to the counter and buy the dollar fifty hot dog and uh-huh. get the soda. So now I'm going to pay four ninety nine for a burger. Yes, but I mean, is the dog really eleven hundred forty calories? You're probably paying for those extra calories. Maybe, but I get a diet coke to offset it. Yeah, so, so you're okay. You're okay. Um, so this is going to be in the store. This isn't something I buy off the shelf and bring home. No, and- no, this is like they're testing it for their next to their pizza and their hot dog. Okay, okay. You're just expanding a little bit. Do you know when it starts? I do not know. Okay. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. Yeah. Every once in a while, I get a hankering for that dog. Yeah. Not good for me, but I get a hankering for it. Sometimes even persnickety people have to break their... Got a lot of omega-6, but I get a hankering <laughs> for it. <laughs> you love that mustard. So Daddy G's, which is down on First Avenue, uh, bought a number of items from the Icon Grill when they auctioned off their stuff when they closed. Mm-hmm. And they bought the big sign that was out front. It has that little person diving in yeah. a bathing suit and everything. Yeah. So they're apparently going to put that up, but we didn't want everybody to get excited. I talked to Nick Musser, who was the chef and GM at Icon, and he said, 
you know, they they bought a lot of stuff at auction, including the sign, and it has nothing to do with Icon. They didn't buy any menu items or. Well, what is Daddy like G's that. all about? I have to admit, I have not been to Daddy G's. No, I had never heard of it. To be honest with you, it's a Sounds I think like a an Italian place or something. Yeah, I think it's Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Guido, Daddy Guido. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. And then, while I was talking to Nick, I found out that he has become the corporate chef for Bargreen Ellingson, which is very interesting. Uh, yeah. I was doing a little homework on them yesterday. Oh, really? They don't have much for Facebook mm. presence. Um, I think there's like one store that has its own Facebook page. There's no page for the one in Seattle. Oh, interesting. So uh, I think they need a marketing director, too. Yeah. Not just uh, executive chef. Yeah. I guess they have yeah. a kitchen in there somewhere, don't they? They do. And, and in <laughs> fact, he's, he's going to spend most of his time at a kitchen in Tacoma, but there is something in Seattle as well. And so there's a bunch of things they're working out. So what do they do at Bar Green Ellingson when they're cooking? I, I mean, I've always known them to be in a restaurant supply store. They are. I think they're really using this to uh, show how the equipment can be used. Okay. So... And and you can buy retail there, you know, you or I could go in, but it's not meant for us. It's really restaurant. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was kind of the nice thing about Seattle restaurant store was, you know, you used to get poo pooed if you walked in off the street as a as average Joe consumer yeah. at some other restaurant store and they're like, Yeah, well if you're not buying five hundred glasses today, we really don't have time for you. Yeah. And then Seattle restaurant store was like, Oh, please come on in, take a look at the specials, blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. I would imagine they do pretty good business with that too. I got a pretty good deal on some hats there. Yeah, for the big the big Moto Mojo Cafe coming up. Yeah. So Brian Clevenger, we know him from Vendemia and so many other things. He is opening again a new place this time on the main drag of East Lake. He's going into one of the new buildings. Could be open by the end of this year. So he says it's going to be uh, the menu will be similar to Vendemia. And actually, uh, you know, we'll see if the the prices supposedly are going to be a little lower because the rent's a little lower in Eastlake. So we'll see. And then Rock Silva, who's been his chef de cuisine at Vendemia, will run the kitchen in Eastlake. So I wonder if he's going into that building where Azteca, formerly known as Rattler's Grill, used to be on Eastlake. There's a brand new building oh, there. I, I drove by the other day. And uh, I really broke my heart to see that Azteca wasn't going to be moving back in to the space. (laughs) You know, that I I guess I haven't been by there lately. That's been closed and the building's been, you know, it's been a long process for that to be something. Yeah. I ate there just before they tore it down. Oh, did you? I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. I'm more proud of myself for being there when it was Casa Lupita. (laughs) So we will be right back with calendar highlights for the month. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. This is Jeremy McLaughlin, chef with Salty Seafood Grills, and you are listening to The Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Lenny. I live in Beacon Hill, and one of my favorite restaurants is Parasol, but it happens to be in Retton.
back with Connie and Tom of Seattle Dining, and we're heading into the calendar section. We're going to go over a few things on the calendar, but remember that new calendar items go up all the time, so check back at www.seattledining.com slash calendar. Hey, the thing about this month's calendar, and it's probably a good thing because you're going to need some some, uh, liquid in your diet. (laughs) Most of these things are wine-related, beverage-related. So it's a big month for beverage. So plan to go have some beverages. Uh, The first one we got is on... uh, August 5th, and that's uh, the Olympia Brew Fest on the waterfront at the Port Plaza. Uh, celebrates Olympia's rich brewing heritage. More than 30 hand picked Northwest breweries will be pouring. Talk about getting drunk in the sun. Hmm. <laughs> uh, proceeds go to the Thurston City Chamber Foundation Small Business Development Incubator Program. That's a mouthful. It is. See if you can recite that after a few beers. (laughs) Can't do it now. Uh, More information at olybrewfest.com. Now, also on the 5th. Hey, now, wait a second. I have a question. Okay. So uh, the 5th is a Saturday. So make sure you don't go on a 6th like I did one time when I went over to. uh, You went to the Kitsap. Yeah, Peninsula. I went the day after. Yeah. It was quiet. I was out of town, and I was like, will you do this? He said, I'm on it. <laughs> I really and then, enjoyed my ferry ride back and forth. <laughs> you had lunch. It was like nothing. <laughs> uh, also on the 5th, we've got a, the Edmonds Summer Wine Walk. So this is a sip, shop, and socialize event. All the shops, not all the shops, but shops in downtown uh, Edmonds are featuring wine tastings from Washington Boutique Wineries. The local winemakers will be there. $25 per person in advance, 30 day, thirty bucks the day of event. And your ticket includes 10 tokens for one-ounce pours, and there are tokens to be purchased if you want. So you start in front of the Coldwell Banker Bain place at 4.30 p.m. Got to be over 21, obviously. Plus, the there are five restaurants in Edmonds that are going to waive their corkage fees that night. So if you're planning a dinner out, this is the thing. 190 Sunset. Girardi's, Chanterelle, Epulo, and Salt and Iron. And the benefits um, from this event go to Artwalk Edmonds. Hmm. I like, I like the sound of wave the corkage fee. I know. That's a good sound. That's, uh, that's always a good thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see on... Uh, Another 8-5. Uh, this is... Uh, Jazz in the Alley. Jazz in the Alley at Di Stefano. Di Stefano. I did it right. Yeah. I'm, I did I'm, it right. It's the only time ever. I won't <laughs> do it right again, and I haven't done it right before. Uh, so this is on the 5th, which is Saturday. And, uh, oh, yeah, so all these things are going yeah. on. you got to go do all this stuff at once on Saturday. Yeah, this is tough. Because uh, so, this one's at 6 to 9 p.m., so you can do, you know, you can go to Olympia early, and then you go up to Edmonds, and now you go to Jazz in the Alley at the Stefano. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, at their tasting room, it looks like, in Woodenville, maybe? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, 30 bucks a ticket and live jazz, obviously. Uh, also some blues and some R&B. Uh, the picnic table will serve Mediterranean-style foods. It's going to be rain or shine. Bring your umbrella. Uh, either way, in a lawn chair. And uh, it'll be 30 bucks a ticket. Includes a glass of wine or a vermouth spritzer or a cocktail. 
And then I bet you could buy more yes, with I'm, more cash. I'm just sure you could. On the 10th, you get a five-day rest period. And then on the 10th, you can go out for the culinary happy hour at Salish Lodge. Um, that is from 5.30 to 6.30. It's $40 per person and includes a little wine. And you are going to learn this time how to make the perfect homegrown pizza sauce. So you're going to learn how to stew tomatoes from your garden, which garden herbs create the best flavor for a rich sauce, and then you've got the recipe. So that's going to be kind of fun. You can go online for tickets. Yeah, I just had a horrible experience. Uh, The Comcast guy came to our condo to take a wire down from our building. Did he step on your... He stepped on my sage. Oh. oh, boy, but I'll tell you what, my sage is strong. I hope it's so. It's going to make it through it. It's still upsetting. I can see the tear tracks on your cheeks, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how the salt sort of crystallizes down my flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Okay, on uh, Friday the 11th of August, we've got the Legends of Washington Wine Hall of Fame Gala at the... Clore Center in Prosser. I think that's called the Walter Clore Center. It is the Walter Clore Center for wine, and it's a long, long name. And this will be honoring Doug Gore of San Michelle Wine. So get this. Go get yourself a pour and honor Doug Gore at the Clore. (laughs) See? Always coming up with – I think that's haiku, isn't it? It must be. There's another one coming up that will be fascinating for you too. So that's uh, that's gonna there's gonna be an auction that's AVA themed, uh, lots of appetizers, lots of wine pairings, and live music. Uh, every dollar raised will be applied directly to creating educated, passionate fan base for Washington products. That seems uh, vague I'm not to sure me. What that? Yeah, that, that seems sounds, vague, but that sounds like a scam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's from 7 to 10, and it's $100 per person at the Clore Center. Then on the 12th, we've got the Seattle Urban Winery's first annual event called POUR, P-O-U-R, all caps. Um, There are going to be over 20 wineries, live music, street food. There's a limited number of tickets for a pre-funk from noon to 1. The rest of it starts at 2. Now, when you say pre-funk, you don't mean like there's a funk show going on. You mean pre-function. Pre-function. And they actually spell it with a K. I put it with a C here because it's pre-function. I don't know what that pre-funk thing is. That's because I'm old. Well, maybe they will be playing like Parliament or Funkadelic. There you don't know. It's a pre-funk. You just don't know. This is also part of Washington Wine Month, so enjoy all that. It's going to take place at Factory Lux down at Soto, um, and it's a $30 general admission. I love and the typo. It says so-so. I, so-so instead the of Soto. district. The so-so district. <laughs> I've, I've had a really big run on typos lately. And $40 for the pre-funk tickets. All right. And then on uh, Friday the 18th, this is always a good one, the Sunset Supper at the Market. So fun. And uh, so this is a major Pike Place Market fundraiser and a summer party. Uh, It benefits the mission of the Pike Place Market Foundation, supporting the community at Pike Place Market. How many times can you say Pike Place Market? That's another Uh, one. Goal is to raise $350,000 for the market community. It's going to be from 7 to 11. The cost is $175 per person. Or f- get your friends together and buy a table for 10 Would that be $1,750? I don't or know. Or do I get a break on the table? They were also know. doing a, a break on tickets. I got an email about that the other day. I don't know if that's still on. They said 
there's a limited amount that we're going to do at 110 for 110 tickets or mm-hmm. something. So, um, you know, check that out on their website. So there's going to be uh, food from all sorts of restaurants around the area, wine, beer, spirits, dancing on the new market front. I know. And I haven't been to see that yet. I so maybe we'll go and I'll get to see it. Uh, more information at pikeplacemarketfoundation.org. And then in Chelan, another part of the state, on the 18th, we've got a night in Madrid at Siren Song Vineyard Estate and Winery. They're doing some fun things. This one is a Spanish dinner show featuring authentic paella and then a live flamenco performance. That's 110 per person plus tax, and you do need to do an advanced ticket uh, purchase. You've got to do that. You can find out more information at sirensongwines.com. Now, if you're one of those people that's working every weekend, this one's for you because it's on a Monday, <laughs> August 21st. It's a 21 and over scotch tasting at Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue. There are going to be five scotches over 21 years of age. Well, at least we know the scotch will be legal. Yes. Uh, paired with small plate courses. Uh, as an example, Glenn Fittich, 21 year with sliced USDA prime tenderloin, caramelized sweet onion, rogue creamery blue cheese, and fig compote. Mm. Hmm. Yum. I'm guessing the fig compote is by itself. This is not everything put in the bowl. No, I think it's maybe rogue creamery blue cheese fig compote. I'm not actually sure. And the because, commas are in there. Because you've been working all those weekends, uh, you've been making your double time and your overtime, so you're going to be able to afford the $210 per person, which includes tax and service. Starts at 6 p.m. Get your tickets online at Schwartz Bros. Sounds like a pre-funk thing. (laughs) Schwartzbros.com. Now, you've missed the fun part of this. It's on August 21st. It's the 21 and over scotch oh, tasting. Right. Daniel's is on the 21st, 21st floor, floor. Hmm. and it's $210, which starts with 2 1. Yeah, and it doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. That's good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah no wonder some, it's on a Monday. Yeah, it's a fun thing. All right, on the 26th of August. Hey, wait a minute. Can I just send a, a, a missive out to uh, Daniels right now? Yes. If you guys come up short and you don't have enough people to fill the room <laughs> and you need some media, <laughs> Connie and I, we've got pretty flexible schedules, so give us a call, Daniels Broiler Bellevue, and let us know you need us to help fill a couple <laughs> seats. You know, I think it's clear by the way we throw ourselves at everyone on this podcast that we're willing to go almost anywhere. And talk about it. We're the best. We are just great people. (laughs) (laughs) So on the 26th, we have the fourth annual Belltown Crush Block Party. So it's a summer wine and beer festival. More beverage. 2 to 6 p.m. at Bell Street Park. Local wines and brews. Bites from Pinktos. And they've just moved. You know, they're into their new space now. So that's going to be kind of fun. Mama's Cantina and Belltown Brewery. Oh, Brewing, sorry. There's going to be a grape stomping competition, and I am not going to drink any of that later, but it would be fun to watch. $25 includes 10 tasting tickets. Early entry is 35 with access at 1 p.m. and 15 tasting tickets. And you can get the tickets at PlymouthHousing.org. And you can, it's a long one, but you can get it on our um, calendar. But clearly, the it is benefiting Plymouth Housing. So do 
You know how they make like uh, uh, non-latex gloves for food servers? Yeah. Do they have them for your feet too? So when you go out and stomp yeah. grapes, maybe... Maybe you have to buy those uh, running running gloves for your feet. Hmm. Because yeah. there's definitely some people down in Belltown that I've seen that I wouldn't want stomping on grapes. <laughs> All right. Um, Saturday, the 26th of August, coming down to the end of the month now, a pre-prohibition whiskey cocktail class at Serafina slash Chiquetti, which I guess means if it gets a little busy in Serafina, they're going to move it into Chiquetti as well. You know, sometimes they just do the cocktail classes at Chiquetti, so I don't know. Uh, and if, if this is Saturday... Well, it's at one, so yeah. I'm thinking probably it's at Chiquetti. So uh, you can explore the origins of whiskey and experience nuances expressed in a well-mixed cocktail. Delicious food pairing with each cocktail. I, I wouldn't doubt that one yeah. bit. That's going to be true. Hey, now this one's affordable. 80 bucks a person plus tax and gratuity. So you're looking at, what, 100 bucks, 100, yeah. $110. Uh, starts at 1 p.m., Serafina. Located at 2043 Eastlake Avenue across the street from the original stomping grounds of Seattle Dining. Exactly. Home base. And uh, number 12 it says JLJL. Yeah, that's because I, I was just a, a, that was a placeholder. I think you got a cat on your <laughs> laptop or something when you did that. All right. Hey, let's take a little break. And uh, Jeff Green has arrived from B&E Meats and Seafood, and we're going to do an interview with him. Be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnnOliveOil.com. Hi, this is Rusty with Rusty's Famous Cheesecake, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Danielle. I live in Ballard, just moved here from Orlando, Florida. One of the restaurants I love so far is Bitterroot off Ballard Ave. It's got phenomenal smoked barbecue foods, really southern. It was delicious. Our special guest is Jeff Green of B&E Meats and Seafood. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Love to be here, hanging out with foodies. What a great place. I know. What can you say? Yeah. Um, we did, uh, over a year ago, we did a story on Seattle Dining About You, so we've got a lot of history in there. So today I don't want to go into all that, but I would like you to talk just briefly about the fact that it was your dad and uncle who started it, Bob and Earl. Yes. Bob's my dad, Earl's my uncle, and they started in Burien in 1958 when dad was 19 and oh. uncle earl was 24 so that's pretty young to start a business anytime no kidding i'm uh, really proud that they did that started a family business it's now into its third generation and uh in 1975 we opened the second shop in des moines that's when i started i was 
14 years old and coming up after school and doing the cleanup. Oh, wow. So I've been in the business for a long time. For a long time. Now, who in the third generation is in? We've got my daughter, who's 23, and two of her nephews that are 24. So they're grandsons of Uncle Earl. Oh, okay. So still going great. If you've got a business that's into the third generation and... We haven't screwed it up too bad yet. That's a good thing. <laughs> like Mom and Earl would be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, one of the things you guys talk about is that you're the neighborhood butcher. What makes you say that? What makes you unique? What makes you a neighborhood place? Well, there used to be back when we opened in 1958, there was lots of independent butchers in each town. And they were part of the community. Uh, you'd go in and they'd know the family name, your name, you'd know yeah. what's going on, whose birthday it was, and, and that was a great feeling. But over the years, most of those butcher shops are gone. And the mm. ones that are still around, in my opinion, are all really great little shops. Uh, they're still part of the community. That's a gem we have. That mm-hmm. We know our customers coming in. Most of them come in even two or three times a week. You get to, yeah. get to know them well. When we hire, there's only one trait I need right now. I need people that are so friendly, that just love <laughs> people. I can teach you anything else. But that's yeah. what we're always looking for. So yeah. whether it's a counter person to wait on customers or a meat cutter, if you come in with those skills, great. But I want friendly people. Yeah. That I can't teach. Yeah. So you come in and... Uh, it's kind of like going to grandma's house. You're going to get eye contact, a smile, a hug, and right away grandma tries to feed you. Well, that's what we do. We, you know, we know that your kid played in a soccer game last Saturday, and we'll say, hey, hey, Tom, how was the soccer game? How'd it go? And, and you say, oh, it went great. Thanks for remembering that. Well, that doesn't happen many places anymore. Right. And you come in, and we're going to feed you a little salmon candy and some jerky and give you some treats. And yeah. Certainly, more than one person's going to greet you, give you a smile. And, and the hug that Grandma gives you, well, if you need a hug, we'll give you a hug. But <laughs> yeah, come out around that counter. Chances are that's more of just something special we're going to hopefully do for you. If you're going to be out for a while and go to the park, and we hear that at the end of your experience there, we're going to ask, hey, do you need a bag of ice to go in that bag to keep your things cold a little longer so you can stay out oh, a little wow. longer? And Really personal service. Yeah. Consciously, that might not even make an impact on you. But you know when you go out, hey, that was fun. I had a great time. Yeah. And that's what brings you back. I have to say that has been my experience. I live on Queen Anne, and, and you open the shop on Queen Anne, taking over for A&J. And... Uh, Every time I walk out of there, it's like, well, that was fun. You know, we talked about something. It was usually not meat-related. You know, I got what I needed, but, you know, there was some just chit-chatting going on. Yeah, that's important. You don't get that everywhere anymore. And it used to be the norm. Now it's the exception. Yeah, exactly. Um, One of the things that that the Queen Anne shop when it was A&J did was the fruit sausages. Yes. When you guys took over, you kept the, the guy. He's still there. And who that's made Gordy. Gordy. We ran into him on uh, somebody. I was walking down the street the other day with someone, and they said, I never see anyone I know. Hey, Gordy, how are you? It's like, <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> you know? But do you do those fruit sausage at all all locations now, or is it still just Queen Anne? Or Well, it's interesting. We have the four shops. We're in Des Moines, Burien, on the east side in Newcastle. And for the last couple of years, we've been up on Queen Anne Hill taking over 
the great A&J Meats. And each store, we like to say that we don't compete with each other, we mm-hmm. contribute to each other. Ah. So in Des Moines, we smoke all the sausages, all the pepperonis, all the bacon for the different stores. Oh, that's a good idea. In Newcastle, we smoke all our smoked salmon and our famous smoked salmon candy. And in Burien, we smoke all the jerkies for the company. Okay. Queen Anne's contribution is the Fruit fruit Links and some of the other sausages they make up there. They've for generations been famous for their sausage, but we make not only a pork breakfast link, but Mm -hmm. a a version with apple in it, a version with apricot, blueberry, cranberry at the holidays, uh, you know, two different kinds of bratwurst, uh, and the list goes on and on. So that's where they contribute. And with each store making that product for all the stores, one, it's consistent throughout each of the stores, but two, they get really good at it. And so each of those products is consistently really good. Now, how do you develop a product? What makes you add something new? Well, I take versions home and feed my family until they get sick of it. <laughs> until we find one they and that's really how you love. Know. <laughs> yeah, until they finally lie to you and uh, say it's as good as it can be. <laughs> for, for years, we've had a, a Calbee recipe. Calbee is a mm. Korean marinade and we do beef in it. We do boneless chicken breasts and thighs and always been a great seller for us. And it's made from scratch with fresh ginger and garlic and, mm. and people love it. But that, you know, we needed another version of chicken. So we, I said, I should have a garlic herb chicken breast. I started out with, you know, on the commercial side, there's lots of mixes you can dry, dry mixes or pre-made marinades. And I tried all of those and you know, they might look good, sound good, but eat them and you go, oh, it was okay, but I don't know if I'd ever come back for that. Yeah, no, you, you have the luxury. You can make the marinade right there on site. Yes. Yeah, so then when I want a new recipe, I start Googling everything mm-hmm. that sounds like that, and you start writing down the recipes, and you find out the common ingredients. A well, man I mean, after my own heart. I know. He talks man. about this all the time. So there's five ingredients every recipe has. Okay, those are important. Now yep. what are all the variations? And yep. you start listing those, and then I start making them. So each mm-hmm. night for about a month, we were having garlic herb chicken for dinner, <laughs> and there'd be about three to four different versions each time. Okay, what do you like about this one? Is it good or bad? What's good? What's bad? And we'd take notes, and the next day there'd be new versions, and the next day new versions until finally we said, okay, this one's really good. People will come back for yeah. it. it uh, one has to look good. Have the eye appeal, but then when you cook it up, it's got to be good enough that you'd come back for more. So then it goes to the customer, and and we know it's going to take off and do well. And then you probably get feedback, too. Oh, yes. So then we'll start asking for feedback from Mm -hmm. the customer. We may even, for a while, send out free samples. Here, just take Mm -hmm. this home and cook it and let me know what you think before we ever sell it. Well, and that's another thing saying that reminds me is that you give cooking instructions, it, a lot of them are on the website, but but if people want to talk about it, the person behind the counter that's helping them will, you know, go all over how to cook it, the best way to do it, whether you're going to grill it, whether you're going to broil it. Whatever. So, is there a full kitchen in every store? Well, there's certainly a production room. Newcastle okay. does have a full kitchen where uh, we can do all kinds of fun things in there, but uh, pretty close to a kitchen in each. So store. you got a stove, you got an oven, you got a grill. We have the smokehouse, uh, okay. which is a smokehouse oven 
big commercial version. They're all the same, so that no matter which store you're in, it's going to operate the same. Mm-hmm. So my guys get good at that. But uh, the idea is you can put the product in there. It it gets the smoke we want. You know that may take three, four, five hours. Then you slowly start to turn up the temperature to get it to the desired finished temperature we want and uh you can turn the smoke on and off open the damper up for close to control the humidity and once you get all this down it creates a very consistent product every yeah. time where do you source your meats and seafood well luckily we've been around about 60 years so we have some great relationships yeah. but it's so important now that things are local yeah. local can have a lot of different meanings for beef Local great beef in this area comes from eastern Washington and eastern Oregon. And that's still northwest. That's the place where if you're driving through the east side of the mountains, you see the nice big herds of black Angus beef ranging. And they have open area and great grasses to eat over there and the right environment. And so that's local for beef. Um, For seafood, we're so lucky to be in the northwest. We have the great washington coast columbia river oregon coast fresh salmon during the seasons there's some great fish that come down from british columbia which we would all consider that local Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also all the seafood almost all of it caught in alaska is caught today put on planes tonight and and it's in SeaTac airport tomorrow morning and then gets distributed to the rest of the country from seattle Uh yeah And to be right in the hub of that, the idea that we can have salmon fresh from Alaska in our case, sometimes less than 24 hours after it was caught in Alaska, that's very local. What about tuna? What's the the turnaround time from the time they ship it till you get it on tuna? Well, with so much being air freighted now, tuna, which is so important to be fresh, also comes in within 24 hours. And halibut, too, is mainly a Canadian and Alaska season, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that also gets flown in, but very, very fresh. And with seafood, mm-hmm. that's number one. And locally, or luckily, since we were already in the meat business, so when we finally decided to bring in seafood, which was probably 20 years ago, I brought it to the company, said we should have this, too. Well, we already had such a flow of customers each day that if you're going to buy your steaks and you're going to buy some burger and you buy some pork chops you might buy a week's worth but most of the time you're going to buy seafood for tonight yeah and we had enough customer flow to really turn that seafood quickly from day one and uh that's been great for us yeah, so. so it doesn't sit around you're not never no. buying something that's been in the case for now you mentioned that you do a, a cow bay do you do uh your own poke uh, we do not. Because that's getting to be kind of a big deal these we've days. We've thought about that, and we've tried some different versions, and we eventually will. Yeah. Once your family's sick of it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> once you get, once you get exactly. on that Google menu thing. Or... You know, in addition to just selling the product, the raw product, you also do things for people. Like you'll, they can bring in game that they've hunted. Yes. And you'll process it. Oh, you will grind know. meat. You smoke for people. Right. What, what are some of the other services you offer like that? Well, let's talk about hunting season. It used to be that, you know, a lot of families grew up as hunters and, 
and that was normal to eat deer or elk meat at home. But now, a lot of times, the wife and kids didn't grow up on that. They're mm. not so excited about dad going hunting. Yeah. But if he brings the meat to us and we make it into jerky, into pepperoni, into summer sausage and smoked Polish sausage, jalapeno cheddar sausage, and they bring it home, it's now a family favorite. And uh, so a lot of hunters are quite glad to do that, yeah. turn into something the family will love. And if they love it and eat it up, guess what? Dad gets to go hunting next season, too. <laughs> now, have you ever had a customer who had a deer strike the night before show up at the door <laughs> with a deer wrapped in a blanket wanting no. to get it butchered up? Well, that wouldn't fly with us because if there's no tag with it, we're not taking it in. Oh. So. <laughs> and then custom smoked salmon is another thing we do so mm. much of. So if someone's going up, well, if they're going to the coast or going to Canada, going up to Alaska on a nice fishing trip, and they come back with an ice chest full of salmon, we can fillet it and vacuum pack it and freeze it for them. But for a lot of them, we make smoked salmon mm. for them. And our smoked salmon process is so good. It turns out so delicious that we do hundreds and hundreds of pounds a week of custom wow. salmon. That's amazing. Yeah. What a nice service. Yeah, fun to do, and there's just yeah. not that many places doing that. Yeah. And we're glad to give them samples of our smoked salmon when they come in. You can see how good it is and then know that's what you want yours made into. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The other thing I noticed on your website today, and I don't know why I hadn't really looked at it before, but you've got packages, like it's called Stock Up Your Freezer yes. packages. And it's a you get a break on price for buying a certain amount of volume, I'm assuming. Yeah, it used to be that families had great big chest freezers sitting out in the garage and it was normal to buy a side of beef and that would feed the family for the next 6 to 12 months. Yeah. But most of us just don't have big freezers like that anymore. So we've developed, I think, seven or eight different smaller packages. Uh, the largest is 100 pounds, but a lot of them are 10 pounds and up. And, yeah. and they'll have maybe six to ten items in there. Uh, they're all wrapped for small families. The burger, bacon, sausage will all be in one-pound packages. Uh, the steaks and pork chops in f fairly small packages. Do you have those frozen when they arrive, the, or do they yeah. have to take them home and freeze They're them? ready to go. Okay. Mm. So it makes it easy. Makes it yeah. So you can still stock the freezer with some things you like, and, and that's very popular. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you about grass-fed beef, too, because you and I talked about it one time before, and I, it was really interesting because Tom and I are very into that. Yeah. But you guys actually made a big push on it, and people didn't go for it. Well, we're known for great beef, and people have always trusted that come to B&E, you'll get some of the finest beef there is, yeah. uh, which is true. And so there is so much talk about grass-fed beef now, and a lot of articles about it, definitely a healthy choice. And so we found... Uh, a ranch down in Roy, Washington that was raising really quality beef. And so for an entire year, we kept it on hand fresh. We brought it in, dry-aged it, uh, cut it and filled a nice space in our counter with it, trying to get it to catch on. Wow. And people like grass-fed beef, but uh, never got anywhere close to the nice grain-fed beef that has better marbling. Mm -hmm. Uh, the flavor people are used to, and, and the struggle a lot of people have with grass-fed beef is they read about it, it sounds great, but it, because it's only been fed on grasses, there can be variation depending on what, what's growing out in the pasture right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. It affects the flavor. 
and all of it has a little more, we could say, a wild flavor, similar to deer or elk, that people just aren't used some, to. Some do and some don't. Yeah. Um, all, you know, all the grass-fed we get up at Central Market is, uh, it's not gamey. It's, it's quite good. But there is a trick to cooking it because you, you're going to have to hit it with a high heat to sear it first. Yeah. And, then, and then you probably want to go down low and let it go a little slow after that. Um, so it's definitely a different way to cook it. I think what um, I just learned over the last 18 months is is how it's loaded with omega-3 and how regular beef is loaded with omega-6 and the body doesn't need any more omega-6. It needs omega-3. Yeah. So that's, that's why I tend to want to have it. Um, but I think that Connie talked with you about this when she did the interview a while back. Um, there's there's grass-fed grain-finished beef. Yes. But there's also grain-fed grass finish. Is that true? Well, if they sometimes call it pasture raised. So the beef, all the beef's out in the pastures eating grass. That's normal. Uh, that's what the beef love to eat. So it's yeah. nothing force-fed. It's just all natural. Uh, so with pasture-fed, what they're doing is taking grain out to the pastures and having feed bins out there. So they're eating the grasses, but the grain's also there. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. uh, so that's where you get the combination. Because the ones that are totally corn-fed, they, they, even if they're grass-fed and then they're grain-finished, the 60 yes. days of the grain finishing, they lose all the omega-3 in their system. So we as humans don't get any of that. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Uh, so mm. what we found our niche is... Uh, the beef that's grass-fed, then grain-fed for 60 to 120 days uh, towards the end, and that really fills out the marbling. What you get is uh, a large share of our beef is prime-graded USDA choice beef. Mm-hmm. So you, you have three grades for most of the beef consumed. You have uh, the beef comes to the slaughterhouse, and the top 2% are going to be the prime grade. Mm-hmm. That's the grade you find in the best steakhouses in Seattle, and that's what we have available for you to cook at home. Wow. Uh, about 70% of the beef will end up choice grade, which is the most common you'll find in the stores. And then some of it just doesn't lean out properly, what we're talking about, the little speckles of fat in the meat, mm-hmm. and the lower grade would be select. Still good, but not nearly as tender and flavorful as the mm-hmm. choice. And then you think, well, prime, that's just one grade above choice, so it's probably just a little better. But that extra marbling makes it twice as good as choice. Yeah. Just amazing uh, how much flavor that is in there. And so it does have a little more marbling, a little more fat in there. But most of the time we're cooking on a grill or broiling it, and the fat cooks out of it, but the flavor stays and really makes for a tender, wonderfully flavored steak. So around the holidays when you have the prime rib, is that prime grade prime rib? It's a funny story because for years and years we carried choice grade. That's a great prime rib roast at a fair price, and everybody liked that, and we did really well with that. But say about 10 years ago I caught a call from our beef supplier, and it was a couple days before... Christmas, and he said, hey, I got stuck with four cases of prime-grade ribs. Is there any way you could take those off my hands? And I said, well, we're just about out of rib roast anyway. Sure, I'll take them. I know they're going to be a little more expensive. 
and we got them in, and within two hours, all of those were sold. Wow. And I said, oh, wait a minute. They're People so really yummy. do want the true prime. <laughs> yes. And so the next year, I think we ordered 10 or 12 cases, and it just grew from there. And now 70 to 80% of all the rib roasts we sell are the true wow. prime grade. It turned out that's our niche. Uh, yeah. It gives you the best roast there is, and it costs a little more, not that much more. We dry age them. What dry aging means is we hang them in our cooler, and what that does is let the moisture evaporate out of it so it firms it up a little more. At that same time, it's breaking down fibers and really intensifying the flavor in a great way. Mm. So you take it home, you cook it up for your most important meal of the year. You've got the family and friends that matter most to you sitting around the table and you carve that roast, and they take a bite and say, man, this is the best roast I've ever had, and you're a rock star. <laughs> and if, if you get that feeling of being a rock star, guess what? You're coming back next year for yeah. more, or next week for New Year's. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so we don't have to be the rock star. If you can be the rock star, we're all going to win. Yeah. And that's partly why we give out the cooking instructions that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, I can get you a great roast. I know it's a great roast, but it's important that you cook it right so you can be that rock star. Exactly. So we want to help with that, too. Nothing worse than ruining that perfect cut of meat. Uh, yes. God. You know, one of the last things I wanted to ask about was that you are starting to do, uh, and maybe I shouldn't say starting, I think you've probably always been involved in the communities, but you're doing a little more community-based giving, fundraising, being part of fundraisers and things like that. What's kind of prompted that? Well, we've always given back to the community. Uh, we get to know our customers. They're our friends. And, and everyone has a cause that's important to them. So we're always listening. What's important yeah. to you? How can we help? Our main focus is to help with the church and school auctions. Oh, okay. We feel helping in an auction, we can help the entire school. Uh, there's been times where we'll help with a certain sports team, but if, if we sponsor your baseball team, we're helping 20 kids. If we can give to the league fundraising auction, we're helping the entire league or mm-hmm. yeah. or with the school, helping the entire school. So that's what we try and do. Yeah. But then, like I say, there's a lot of causes that are important to our customer base, yeah. and we want to be part of that. And, uh, you know, that's why we're helping with your upcoming yeah. event. and glad to help with that, yeah. too. That's exciting. Yeah, we You're, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, you're providing the salmon for Chef Wayne Johnson. So now he's got a bag here on the table. We should probably find out what's oh, yeah. in this bag. It's the secret. Well, I thought it was his lunch, but I was wrong. <laughs> so you come to Grandma's house, which is which is us, and uh, we're going to feed you. And so you've come in for the first time, and what, what's it like to come into a butcher shop and mm. and. Uh, this is a little intimidating. This is a smoked salmon we're looking at. And we call it our candied smoked salmon. I'm so going to guess it's, it's from uh, Atlantic salmon. It's boneless. No, it's got to be skinless. Uh, we use Atlantic salmon from British Columbia because we can get it fresh all year round. Okay. The oils are really consistent. Yeah, because it's kind of a bright orange. It's yes. not a dark, deep orange like a Copper uh, River or an Oregon salmon 
and oh, man. boneless and Connie's skinless. eating salmon. I'm eating yeah. a, it's at so nine thirty four in the morning. We're recording the show, and she's I'm already into salmon for the day. So I am we not proud. Feed you a little of that, mm. and you go, "Wow, oh, that's really good." So, what's the most interesting request you've ever had, or the most interesting story that's ever come in? Oh well, let's see. I'm yeah, catching him off guard. One. Yes, you are. <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't a guy who pulled up with a roadkill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've already passed that one by. <laughs> uh, yes, we've had some of those. We send them away. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, we had a customer for years that was friends of Liberace and oh. would often pick up our steaks when he had Liberace coming to visit him. Oh, wow. wow. We had a customer for years that loved to go up to Canada and hunt moose. And bring it back to us. And his wife happened to be good friends with the Queen of England. So oh it turned out she loved moose meat. And every time they went to visit the Queen, they would take uh, some of our moose meat that we'd cut up for them along for That's the Queen. Amazing. <laughs> who's, who's good friends with the Queen? I know. Isn't I didn't that know amazing? anyone was a good friend of the Queen. It was oh. the first time the Queen had moose jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Now she's a diehard fan. Uh, yes. <laughs> Over in Newcastle, when we opened up that store, it's just a couple miles uh, above 405 where the Seahawks practice. Oh, so yeah. it turns out that a lot of the coaches, trainers, and players live up on that hill. So it's fun for my guys that a lot of the Seahawks come in oh, and they yeah. get to know them. Yeah. Uh, one of my guys, when we first opened, I'd got to know Max Strong, who was a star for the Seahawks for years, and Mac came in and and my guy Roman's waiting on him. He goes, man, you're pretty good size. He goes, did you get to play football? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I played some football. Oh, really? Were you good enough to play in college? Yeah, I played some college. Oh, man, I love college football. But even more, I love pro, man. I know all the Seahawks. <laughs> no, you, you know, don't. I could watch all the Seahawks all the time. He goes, you, were you good enough to play pro? Yeah, I played quite a few years. Oh, Oh, don't tell me you played for the Seahawks. Yeah, I had a pretty good run there. <laughs> goes, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe. Who are you? Well, I'm Max Strong. So. Oh, my God. Next day he goes to lunch, and he's uh, in line at QFC picking up something for lunch. And he starts to tell the checker there this story and goes through the whole story. And, and he goes, and it was Max Strong. How could I not know Max Strong? She goes, you mean like Max Strong that's standing right behind you? <laughs> <laughs> and Max laughed. And he goes, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this again. Twice in two days. <laughs> so, I love that story. <laughs> oh, God, that's so fun. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. This was really great. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We got to find out a lot about B&E. Yeah. I like it. Well, thank you for supporting Cooking with Class and Seattle yeah. Dining. Okay. Now we've got to get you back out and on the golf course. All right, yes. (laughs) One more thing. We do like to do internships and hire new people. So if anyone has, you know, first of all, loves food but loves people, come and see us. We're always looking for great people. Oh, great. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to have some tips and tricks. Not ticks, but tips (laughs) and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Sam Crannell from Lloyd Martin on top of Queen Anne, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
Hi, this is Carrie. I live down in Ording, and if you're ever down that way, stop in and check out Route 66 Pizza. Always fun to talk to Jeff of B&E. He's a great guy. Now we've come to the end of the show, but we like to end it with a few tips. So, Tom, what have you got gadget-wise this month? Gadget-wise, I have something that makes a uh, – it, it actually kills two birds with one stone. It makes a nice piece of furniture in your living room, <laughs> and it serves a good purpose. It's called an Edge Star Freezer. <laughs> Ed Star free Ed, this company Edstar makes a freezer that's about the size of a of a medium sized trunk, let's say, and uh, it's not a full size freezer, but it's also it comes in uh, one ten or twelve volt. So when you're not using it in the house, you can throw it in the back of the car, in your RV, whatever you mm-hmm. got, and you'll have an extra freezer. It'll it'll work as a freezer or a refrigerator. So you can run it at 40 degrees if you want, or you can run it at, uh, I don't think it'd go down to about minus 20. Uh, what I use it for is this is the time of year when the organic blueberries show up at Central Market. So I go up there, I buy those puppies, I buy like eight, I don't know, eight or ten pounds, and then uh, I bag them up and I put them in the freezer, but I don't have enough room in my my freezer in the kitchen. So I've got the spare freezer. Um, if I want, I can drape it with a blanket or a, or a tablecloth or something and use it as a place to, uh, you know, for guests to set their drinks down when they're sitting there watching TV or whatever. So it, uh, it works as a table because it's about, mm, what is that, about 24 inches high? Yeah, it's a good 26 height for inches. next it's to a the table couch, height. Yeah. And uh, and so it doesn't really uh, – it's not taking up more space because otherwise I would have a table sitting there. Yeah. So that's, that's my little gadget yeah. tip. I don't, know, I don't know how many people decorate like you do with freezers in the living room, but you know. Well, we could just evolve people one at a time. You know, as people listen to the show, they can, they can go my direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and follow through with their own serious supervision. Yeah, and then they can contact me by email later and tell me other crazy stuff they came up with. Yeah, which you would jump on, probably. <laughs> All right, my uh, dining-in tip this year is that uh, sometimes, especially in the summer, it's hard to get excited about cooking because you're busy, it's hot. I know my place is hot in the evenings. It doesn't have a lot of unless – there's, unless there's a little breeze blowing, it's, it can get really hot. So – but I find that I get excited when I run across a recipe that has a bunch of stuff I love in it. Like I found recently a Thai steak recipe, ginger, sesame, cilantro, roasted peanuts. It made me really want to cook again. So I think that's a, a good thing when you're thinking, oh, we really should eat in. What are we going to do? If you're feeling uninspired, take a look at one of your cookbooks or go online and see what strikes your fancy. And as Jeff mentioned, you know, when he's trying to create some new product, he goes out and gets a whole bunch of recipes and then decides what what ingredients he wants in it. He stole that from me. Yeah, you say that. Because we used it as a tip like a year and a half ago, and we know that he <laughs> listens to the show, so I know that Jeff stole that from me. But I'm glad to know I'm inspiring him, too. <laughs> Just because he's in, been in the business, you know. I don't know. 
So Well, you know, I'd like to add to that because you did say, you know, it's summer, it's hot. Uh, uh, both are where we each live, our units face west, so we get a lot of sun in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to cook and we don't want to eat at home. However, welcome to the Pacific Northwest where we don't always have a sunny afternoon exactly. in the summer. And I know that you and I have enjoyed going out on the patio here and uh, ha- having dinner out there and, and planning ahead, like saying, well, look, look out there today. It's cloudy. Yeah. So let's do dinner out on the patio. So, you know, if you're flexible, you can kind of work it around. I mean, all that stuff on that dish you want to make, we can go pick it up right now at the market and make it tonight if it were cloudy outside, which yeah. it's not today. But And thank goodness I live so close to the Queen. Queen Anne B&E. So uh, my dining out tip is uh, actually, I have two of them, if you don't mind, this month. That's all right. And uh, uh, one of them is for our listeners and also for anybody who works in the restaurant industry. Uh, we had a bad situation where I left a credit card in oh, Idaho. Yeah. And... Pretty sure that credit card never even came back with my receipt to sign. And so um made me an unhappy customer because I was in conversation with somebody when it showed back up and I wasn't paying enough attention. And, yeah, you can blame it on me. I left without my card. But um, truthfully, uh, training goes a long way when you're in the restaurant industry. And uh, just doing something as simple as being certain that every time you bring a credit card out to the customer, you've wrapped up their receipt with a credit card in the middle. That's kind of something that's sort of new. I don't remember people ever doing that. And in the last like year or so, I get almost all my credit cards wrapped up in my receipt. It's been a long time since I left a credit card at a restaurant. Mm. But uh, it doesn't make me happy because then I have to call in and cancel it. There was no way we were going back to Boise that yeah, we day. Were on, we were on our way home. Yeah. Uh, so I have to call up, cancel it. i got to change all my numbers with all my auto pays and all that stuff. And it's a, it's a pain in the butt. And it makes me an unhappy customer. So, you know, I called the restaurant and try to – to be sure that they understood that, you know, this this can make a customer unhappy. And she told me that uh, at least 10 people a week leave their credit card behind at the restaurant. I asked a couple friends in other restaurants if what their number is. It was more like two or three. So that tells me the staff has got some training to do on how to make sure the card gets back to the customer. Well, and I think her reaction, too, explains that because she didn't really want to hear it. And and yeah, you know, she was arguing with me. Yeah, so I, I think that's why you know they're they're not communicating with each other, and that kind of thing's happening. Uh, here's my other tip. Okay. Since we're going to go for two, and this one's necessary that we do right now because it is summertime in Seattle, and uh, we can go into uh, your, your your favorite neighborhood joint. We can go into your favorite nice restaurant, and inevitably we may see some fruit flies. Oh yeah, especially if you're. A barfly. <laughs> so there is a product out now. It's called the Fruit Fly Bar Pro. If you own a restaurant, you can buy this online. You can get it down at Bar Green Ellenson. You can get it over at Dick's Restaurant Store. Whatever way you want to get it, get it and, and read the instructions on how to use it. It's uh, probably one of the most effective fruit fly products on the market right now. How does it work? Does it stick on something, or is it? It's a- it's kind of like the hanging guys, uh-huh. but uh, what the, what it puts onto the fruit flies, it it it, it finishes them off. Ah. Um, 
it's all FDA approved as long as you don't, you know, like mix it into uh, uh, your uh, sauce or something. <laughs> don't hang it right over a. But uh, and and it's interesting because you find you, you start to learn to find where fruit flies actually come from. They, they breed down in your wet mop area. Oh. So anything that's moist around the bar, that kind of thing, it can be down in there. So I think there's. I'm not sure if there's three in a pack or not, but you want to put a few of them around. Uh, and this would also apply to anybody who has a big, large kitchen at home that is, uh, you know, that maybe maybe they own a compound. You know, Bill and Melinda, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so you want to get them into those kind of kitchens, too, that are operating three meals a day at home. So that's my other tip. I like it. But now, sadly, it's time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. We want you to dine out often and dine at home often, too. Exactly. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.